mean, the rock bar is like the place to go if you're if you have guests in town and you want to show well, them. Well, one of them anyway. Right after Rick's. <laughs> I was, or I was, Beggar's Banquet. Whatever. I was, I, was, I was throwing that up there to see if Yeah, you, you lobbed little, it right up there for me and look at it. Okay, ready? This is it. This is the show. What's with the pineapple? A brand new podcast from the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association. Pineapples don't grow in Michigan. No, not native to Michigan. Let me write that down. Putting a, a hospitality spin on what exactly is going on in Lansing. Shed some light on the industry specifically in Michigan. I think we're going to have some good guests. What is with the pineapple? What's with the industry? What's going on in Michigan? We can edit this if that's not right, right? All right, we took a month off, voluntarily or involuntarily, but we're all back in the room now. Or involuntarily, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It happens. But it's fall now. It's September. Let's start off uh, post-Labor Day with a, with a bang. We're back. We are back, and we're not alone. We have a special guest with us today, one Thomas Dewey Bramson. This has been on the books for a month. Slightly delayed, multiple times over, but here we are. And do we not just here to get interviewed? That's coming. And it should be good. But the entire thing. He's going to weigh in. We're going to go we're going to do our standard segments, but you're here for it. You're here for the whole thing. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Nice. You got a great podcast voice. Why, thank you. <laughs> you been practicing that all day. <laughs> yep. Right in front of the mirror, anybody that'll listen. I do eat tea with lemon, you know, yep. the whole stroke. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, yeah, you were such a diva requesting specific type of water. I know, but the Evian didn't show up. That's true. All right, so we're just past Labor Day. What'd you do? Did you get away? I did. I actually got away for a couple of days, um, and uh, so it was very nice. Uh, Now we're, you know, because we're now really in the thick of football season, so. Mm. Big time for you. Yeah. Big time, Emily. Big couple of months, so. Yeah. Money season. I sure hope so, because <laughs> it was a long summer. It's been a long two and a half years, but uh, and we made some pretty major investments in technology this summer, and and so uh, it's been pretty hectic for the last couple of months. So I was glad to kind of scoot away for a couple quick days. Listen up, operators. Technology investments, probably a smart investment at the time, as long as you make the right one anyway. Emily, what did you do for Labor Day? I had a busy weekend, actually. I had a wedding. Was it yours? Oh, my God. Emily got married. This yeah. is exciting. We're breaking it on the podcast. Thanks for that. That can be the title. Emily gets married. <laughs> well, that'll pull people in. Uh huh. A lot of, lot of <laughs> daunts. Um, no, I had a friend's wedding out in Grand Rapids at the Cheney Place. I don't know if either of you have been. It's a like a warehouse venue. And then I went owned by the former vice president. Not many people know that. I don't know if that's no, it's accurate. probably not actually true. I'm just making that up on the spot. It seemed exciting. Go on. And then I went camping at Bruin Lake down in Gregory. That was fun. Did that with some cousins and then had a cookout on Monday. So it was busy. Nice. Yeah. What about you? You had a birthday. Wow. Buried the lead. Oh. We won't I, talk about my marriage. I <laughs> Let's talk about your wedding or your oh. birthday. <laughs> oh, Justin got married again. Wow. This is renewed, breaking. Renewed the vows. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. No, we're up the lake. Uh, I got... A have you seen the you know the like the massive inflatable screens you can get? We got oh, I got yeah. one of those because it's because that's quote my if you can't see the air quotes that's my birthday present. Uh, oh. Tried to inflate it and it was a windy day and it almost took sail and uh, floated away. Oh, no. So it hasn't actually been <laughs> took the kids with it, right? <laughs> Dad, uh, collectively they're not quite a hundred pounds. So yeah, I probably could actually take <laughs> yeah. all of them. So it hasn't been used yet. But one of these days for an MSU football game, maybe uh-huh. I think we we get that bad boy queued up and then of course. You know, we head down to the Roadhouse Pub. 
That's right. Why right. wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? We uh, we actually spent uh, a little time in Hillman, Michigan, that you may be familiar with uh, this weekend. It was uh, Whoa. it was uh, yeah. We we uh, we. Um, Are you telling me you were just minutes away? I didn't. I thought you were over on the Big Lake. No, but yeah, yeah. No, we were in Hillman. We uh, we made the decision late one night that uh, the grandkids needed a quad. So went on the infamous Facebook marketplace and found one where the guy said, this thing runs great. <laughs> it is amazing. No leaks, no anything. And uh, Mr. Keen and I jumped in the car with a couple cups of coffee at six in the morning and made our way over to Hillman only to find uh, the worst barn find in history where oh. the guy had a uh, utility knife was arcing the battery to try and get it started. So it was going to need a lot of work. So when we were on our way back and we called Mrs. Keene, she said, well, you two clowns better find something because these kids are up and I've told them that you guys are back on your way back with a quad. Oh, no. So we called all over northern Michigan and ended up at Tractor Supply and found a brand new quad. And uh, these uh, these kids had a ball. So it was a lot of fun watching kids. I feel like Hillman's not coming off well in this story. Hillman was just fine. It's a cool, you know, I got to see the elk. Yeah. You know, in Atlanta, you know, Elk, capital of Michigan. And uh, so, yeah, it was a, uh, and anytime you get to spend a few hours in the car with Brad Keen, it's pretty good. Brad Keen, the COO of Boyne Resort. So just name dropping all over the place over yeah. here. I yeah. Like yeah. It. Well, you said vice president. I figure I had to throw in Brad Keen. I like it. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's say, let's segue to Pineapple Express. There we go. The current event segment. Let's kick off with September is not only National Food Safety Month, it is Michigan Food Safety Education Month for the first time ever. So we just lost all seven listeners. Double whammy there. Um, National Six, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) National Food Safety Month is held annually in September and brings awareness to food safety and education. Lots of resources on michiganfoodsafety.com. This year's theme is food safety at every level. It's an important topic. Keep your customers safe and healthy. Dewey, how does your family celebrate National Food Safety Month? (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of latex. (laughs) Gloves. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Hit me with that that website one more time, Emily. Michiganfoodsafety.com. There's a title for the podcast. A lot of latex. <laughs> really? That should be that should be at least be a segment. Off to a stellar start. Food safety segment. I just want to stress one more time. This is a professional podcast. I've I've said this from the beginning. Not for swingers. <laughs> Not for swingers. The pineapple is actually right side up, is what you're at telling me? At all times. Fair at enough. All times. Well, most of them. All right. You guys asked for it. <laughs> Dewey's now leaving the room, and we will be doing the rest You'll of the episode. You'll be back episode. for the Thanks for having me. The well-scrubbed interview. Okay, what else is going on in current events? Let's move swiftly to the next topic. Graduate Hotels, which is a member of ours, both the Ann Arbor and East Lansing location, they launched something called Graduate Homes. Have either of you heard of this? I have not. Oh, do we listen up? It is a short-term vacation rental service, one of them coming to Ann Arbor, um, the other in Oxford, Mississippi, from Graduate Hotels, where they um, have properties that they then rent out similar to short-term rental, but you get the amenities of a graduate hotel. So to me, it seems like a semi, not solution, but... Add-on. Add-on, and something to combat the short-term rental situation that our industry is facing. So they're going to have like apartments close by, 
but then you get to that you can use for longer stays or something and then you get to use all the amenities of the hotel it's a peer-to-peer rental service is what they're calling it so homeowners can list their properties on the graduate homes website but then there's added benefits from graduate hotels so it's called graduate homes and one of the test cases is here in michigan so specifically interesting to bring up yeah, it definitely blurs the lines. Graduate hotels are really cool, by the way. If you're in a university yeah. town that has one, they're the place to go. And, I mean, Michigan State football Saturdays, if you can get a room there, they're doing quite well. Yeah, both both in Ann Arbor and East Lansing. And, and you know, uh, um, I, don't, I don't know a lot about the history, but they work very hard at creating a space that is not only inviting to overnight guests, but the students. Absolutely. To come in and hang out. And, you know, I think they I know in my experience and going to both um, that that there's a vibe certainly there to walking in to check into a hotel and having the whole lobby area being full of college students. And maybe they're studying or coughing or having a drink or whatever it is instead of walking in and, you know, having the uh, the desk person be the only person there. So they they do a really nice job with that. The rock bar here in town. Uh, up at the top, both inside and outside, and looking down onto campus is pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Each one of these is is a little unique to to the city in which they are operating. So, the one in Arbor is 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 tied to U of M and, and and mirrors that town and its ethos. And then you get a different feel a little bit here in East Lansing. The Rock Bar is like the place to go if you're if you have guests in town and you want to show well, them. Oh, one of them anyway. Right after Rick's. <laughs> I was, or I was, Beggar's Banquet. Whatever. I was, I was I was throwing that up there to see if yeah, you, you lobbed little, it right up there for me and look at it. But no, you're right. So Emily brought this in because it's interesting. We talk about short-term rental. We talk about hotels. We represent hotels, and and we're trying to seek parity. This is graying those lines a little bit. I think when you get into the Marriott Villas, that does a little bit more. Right, mm. Marriott is also aggressively into the villa space where you can you can get homes, and it's it's going to be interesting still as as it affects affordable housing for those who work in the industry in these in these areas, and does it diminish the overall pool? Because it is a challenge right now to find enough affordable housing. If you are, it is near a crisis point. If you are in Traverse City or one of the other high destination tourism cities, so there are still some policy solutions we need to seek there. But I think this is creative, right? You're getting mm-hmm. you're getting the the comfort of a separate home, but the amenities that you can get of a nearby hotel. Very interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and if others adopt a similar format. All right, moving to the next topic. We did release a operator survey results last week, or two weeks ago, actually, that kind of talked about the business conditions and the uncertain future for our industry. What's unique in Michigan is obviously everything going on with the uh, adopt and amend lawsuit. Is that what you would call it? Yeah. The punchline from the data separate from the Michigan specific legal case is no one's making any damn money. People are coming into the restaurant, but your ability to make a profit doing it is is harder than ever. And so we took that data and said, look where the industry is right now. Look how challenged it is under the current situation. Imagine eliminating the tip credit overnight. And, and that, that's what would happen if a recent court ruling were to be upheld. Dewey, you're living this. We're talking about it a lot. You're living it every day. What, what's that experience like for you? I would tell you, you know, everybody in the industry knows that we have supply chain issues and labor issues and all those things. What's, uh, I would tell you, I've had uh, several meetings over the last two weeks where we're putting out payrolls that are at least double or three times what they were just five, six years ago. And it's not just that, you know, the, the we've seen the, the dramatic rise in back of house wages, but that overtime 
that because we're having you know staffing issues and those things the amount of overtime and the stress that it's putting on those people and and i think uh, our industry specifically is and uh, the mrla is taking a hard look at you know mental health within our industry and those things mm-hmm. and the stress that it causes and for us being in college towns primarily you know a little slower summers and then it's a quick ramp up so students show up you know second or third week of august and then we had our first football game this last friday so we uh you know i think we trained hired and trained about 75 people which i'm grateful we could do there were a lot of sleepless nights and in july wondering if we were going to get kids back and and if there was going to be a thirst to to come back and work and and uh, you know as students are still trying to work through what is you know quote unquote post covid look like and still some kids having you know online classes and and uh, or or a hybrid of online and and in person classes and and how much are they going to work and how much do they still have and you know throw in you know the gas prices over the last few months and everything else so but the overtime really was a was a glaring one this last couple of weeks for us specifically and yeah. i know a lot of our friends as you point out Traverse city grand haven holland mackinac island harbor springs petoskey you know all over the east side of the state you know for this for the summer i mean it was uh the amount of people and operators colleagues that i've talked to that were you know had you know closed monday and tuesday when you only have that 90 or 120 days a year when you say you know we're going into hopefully our money season you know to go into that and think that you can't you know operate at full hours and 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 maximize that opportunity is uh is uh is really really heartbreaking and then to know that you know you've got staff that's really you know working more than they would like to but but you know want to do what's right and and uh, and that stuff and so we've got different programs that we're trying to do to make sure that our staff is taking care of themselves um uh, both on and off the clock and and um you know but we're, we're working hard i'm hearing a lot of upward cost pressures uh dramatically across the board and pretty quickly is which means many price increases are you seeing that impact demand are you seeing people say Ugh too rich for my blood i'm not i'm not going there or i'm not going there as often well you know the, we we always you know i said in, in an interview a couple of weeks ago um that for the first 35 of my 37 years in this industry i got pretty good at forecasting and that we knew what a michigan michigan state weekend was going to do either here or in ann arbor and we knew what homecoming was going to be and we knew what the non-conference games and specifically let's say to football season or even more specifically to summers last summer we had a huge boom uh, for the places that had outdoor service Um, this summer people weren't out as much now is that just because they all kind of got more comfortable dining indoors or is that because there was five and six dollar gas in town so it's tough to actually pinpoint in my opinion uh, i have a lot of opinions on you know i think we lost um i think we lost a great deal of of our workforce to people making money um in the digital universe and i know a lot of my staff is doing things online and i know for myself personally if I've got to fix a refrigerator, I go to YouTube and some guy's saying, hey, hit subscribe. And that's how he makes his money. And maybe it's a side hustle. Maybe it's not. Yeah. But uh, we lost quite a few people to the marijuana industry. Um, that seems to be kind of contracting at the moment. So we'll see what happens there. But there just isn't as many people out looking for jobs. 
And um, so, That's true. so labor force participation is still lower, right? The people, just the percentage of working age people working is smaller now than it was prepaid. And I think, like anything else, you can you can support any argument you want to make with data. It just depends on which data you want to choose. So I can I can't resolve the fact that we have quote unquote record unemployment and a help wanted sign in every window. So there's there's something there. You can you know, I know there's those well, it's only those people looking for jobs or it's only this or that, but there's a lot of data and metrics out there, but you know, we just have to continue to figure out each day, as we always have. How are we going to do the best job we can to exceed our guests' oper- uh, our guests' expectations every day? And um, so, as I said earlier, you know, we uh, we spent a lot of time and energy and money um, doing all new, uh, big technology upgrades all summer, trying to figure out how we're going to have to continue to figure out ways to do more with less people. And so, whether it's tablets at the table, we put in all new commercial grade Wi-Fi systems, all new telephone systems, so that managers can walk around with a telephone on their hip. So when the guy in the kitchen mm-hmm. needs to see a manager, it's not, "Hey, go find them," and they got to walk through, you know, sometimes two levels and find them in a beer cooler. Um, but they can they can wear it on their hip and intercom each other. Here's my question because I talk about this incessantly. This is a people business and a hospitality business. I tell. Everyone who's taught, we talk to in this industry, you're going to have to think differently and use, as you are doing, more technology out of necessity. Where do you think the line, where's that inflection point where we hit, where the, the loss of hospitality, because we're doing more with fewer people and using technology in that said, where's that inflection point where people are going to go, wait, can I get... Can I get someone with a smile to come hand me my dinner, my lunch, my drink? So my hope is... Part of my day that I love. And this is what we spent most of the last 120 days doing is trying to find that inflection point. And so we did some... My senior team and I went to some... A lot of different properties that have mostly cloud-based systems now. Those are the... You know, what the future is going to be. And what we found in a lot of instances with the people that are doing it right is that the server actually got to spend more time at the table because they weren't running back to the mm-hmm. wait station to ring in the ding and then going to the bar and getting the drinks and then coming back to the table and then going to the next table. That what we found was that servers were able to kind of camp in their sections, which was great because they, you know, then they, then they have the opportunity to have hopefully seven, eight, nine tables instead of three, four to five tables at a time. And so they were really more engaged. Now we've had to institute things like, um, you know, bar runners, um, everybody's always had food runners, but now we have bar runners because if a server goes to five tables and takes all the drink orders, all of a sudden there's 37 drinks at the bar waiting for them. And so there's, you know, again, it's kind of this, okay, how's it going to do? And and with us specifically being in the summer, we didn't get to really test it, which was good for a while, but we got a pretty hard test last Friday and, yeah. and really the weekend before for moving. And so uh, my team, I'm incredibly proud of my team. I'm proud of my management team, my hourly staff, both front and back house. Uh, everybody's done really well at trying to adapt. Again, we're in a kind of a unique situation that we have 80% of our staff is college students. And you know what? You'd be surprised to know that they're pretty good with a, with a, with an iPad. So they they learned very quickly how to whip their way through these through these devices and uh, and so uh, you know there's always going to be growing pains anytime I mean a, P- a POS change is a huge change in a restaurant and you know we've had a program for our POS for 25 years I think and so anytime you jump off something that everybody is so intricately involved in you have some growing pains and uh, but but we've we've done pretty well with it and um, and hopefully the the proof will be in the pudding as it can 
continues to be, you know, we're starting to see ticket times come back to a more appropriate level. And um, and, and people, by and large, are, you know, we, we have big signs at all of our front doors that say, please be patient, like a lot of people. And we're, we're having, I had a guest a while back that was uh, just furious that we didn't have our world famous clam chowder at the Harrison Roadhouse. Are you looking at your watch? Am I getting the hook? No, speak as long that, as you want. Uh, that, that I love stories about clam chowder. We didn't have our clam chowder at, ten minutes after we opened, and uh, wanted How to see you. a manager. I know I wanted to see a manager, and I went over because the server just said, "Hey, we're out." You know, we're eighty six. It and 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 quite honestly, we didn't communicate probably as good as we could have with the server. But then uh, I had to explain that when the truck came in that morning, the potatoes weren't good enough for us to make our clam chowder, so we didn't. We chose not to make it, and so uh, you know, it, it, like anything, if if we can explain to people what's going on they get a little more reasonable but uh as long as the beer's the beer's cold and the food's hot you know then then we're headed down the right track nice nice yeah we get a lot of questions right now from media on that topic of yeah. guests attitudes mm-hmm. and because it's been a hot topic in the last month yeah um in michigan with operators kind of taking a stand and saying hey we got to stand up for our staff that we have and you got to be nice to them. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, I applaud those people. And, uh, you know, there was one out of Charlevoix, uh, the, the manager at uh, one of the places up there that just kind of shut her down shut and her said, down. fine, we're done. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and more and more people are doing it. And I think it's appropriate. You know, I've said my whole career that I think everybody should have to work six months in the restaurant business to graduate high school. I think the world would be a nicer place. Yeah. Uh, you know, aside from the fact that I think we've always taken very seriously our role and in training young people um, on work ethic and, and responsibility and time management and all those things. And uh, and like I say, they're doing great. But uh, I don't, I don't want to say it's taken the fun out of restaurant business, but it's certainly been uh, been more challenging this last two and a half years. And, and as we all know, we've all, we all kind of keep setting a metric as to what's next. When are people going to come back to work? When is supply chain going to settle down? When are guests going to get, you know, back to a space that, you know, and I get it. They, they're, you know, they're anxious to get out. A lot of them still haven't come out. We still have a, a number of regulars that, you know, maybe we'll see in a grocery store or something like that. That's like, hey, we're just not there yet. Right. And so we're hoping over time that people do. And and uh, now that uh, the fall's coming, as Emily pointed out, you know, and it's getting a little chillier and stuff. Maybe we'll see some more people coming back. I'm going to move us into the government affairs segment. I believe we still call it for fork's sake. We sure do. Mm. Mm. We still do, do we? Listen, we get it. You work hard to make sure your restaurant moves like a well-oiled machine. From managing staff to tracking food costs and peak business hours, your work is never ending, especially when you're trying to improve your profit margin. That's why with Spot On, you get more than a point of sale. You get a seamless restaurant solution that tackles everything from day to day to the on the fly so you can create the exceptional. Every tool Spot On offers is designed to help you increase revenue or lower costs from commission-free online ordering to smart labor management and best-in-class reporting. As a company that acknowledges the hard truths of this business, Spot On has the bold notion that running your restaurant shouldn't mean sacrificing the passion that got you here in the first place. Their POS system and integrated software puts you in control of the small details that make a big difference every day. 
because at the end of a long week, hard work and hard work alone won't stop the extra fees from third-party delivery apps or have your staff clocking out sooner or even get tickets to your cooks more efficiently. But technology can. Visit spoton.com slash MRLA to explore how Spot On can help your bottom line. That's spoton.com slash MRLA. So... I want to lead with this and something that's not even on the agenda, but I want to bring it up because you've been talking about football season. You've been talking about the importance of students being back. Legislation out there that would allow for in-stadium drinking in Big Ten universities, so Michigan State, U of M. For you, that's obviously East Lansing primarily. A little bit, though, in uh, impact might be hidden Ann Arbor. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for which place? Rick's Ann Arbor. Rick's Ann Arbor. Straight to Rick's. STI, what do you think about baby. this, right? You'd be directly competing against the university. The argument we've always had is now the, the university is state subsidized. It's taxpayer dollars competing against you in the private sector. Is that a challenge or an opportunity if a university gets access uh, to uh, an, a liquor license? Again, we, we always try and look at the positive, right? I mean, Kellogg Center opened and got a liquor license 25 years ago right across the street from the Harrison Roadhouse. And it wasn't... That uh, stateroom wine collection is exquisite. It is. Uh, but, you know, they have, they've continue to build out the the cafeterias on campus to a point that we can't compete when you're to your point nationally subsidized or state subsidized and and you're doing a buffet where you can walk in and go to 27 different food stations and pay you know six bucks and get all you can eat and all that stuff so like we've lost and listen some unnamed mrla staff uh do exactly that with some regularity but she will she will not be named you might know her uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> but they, you know, they, they have the ability to do that. We, we, we had, uh, we had, uh, a group, you know, a number of groups of golfers that would come into the roadhouse every Wednesday and they all decided to go over there just cause it was cheaper. We've lost large groups of families and like hockey teams that come through town that don't want to go into a restaurant and have 30 adults and 30 kids and be like, well, that one's mine and that one's mine and this and that. They just go there. They hand them 10 bucks the kids all run to 20 different places they all go sit together in a room and so they're they're from that point right whether it's that's you know that was the philosophy for us with the non-smoking it wasn't necessarily that we were advocating as a public health that people should be able to smoke in a bar it was that we should be able to do it's a free market system we should be able to do and the market will allow it we had already taken two restaurants non-smoking well before the state had asked us to so that's a long-winded question is to say I'm fine with it. Um, we've we've uh, had an opportunity to talk to the sponsors of the bill, and you know the 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 original request from the stadiums was to have it you know two hours before and two hours after the game, and and um, purely from a from a selfish business reason, you know that. Uh, you know, the, the, the hospitality properties within, you know, miles of these stadiums count on that pregame and that postgame. And uh, without it, if there's that many people, you know, the, the, there was a, there was a, you know, intent, part of the intent of doing it was to, in their opinion, cut down on binge drinking uh, by the students. And, and in my experience, and like I say, 37 years of running bars in college towns, uh, I just don't think it's going to keep the kid from doing a couple of shots of fireball before he walks in, and he's certainly not going to buy a $12 beer. But if it makes the 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 um, uh, you know makes the experience better for 
for people, uh, uh, you know, a little older people that want to be able to go and do that. My big piece was the co- was the uh, concerts. You know, a number of years ago, we had U2 in the yeah. summer, and it was literally one of my top favorite five nights in East Lansing in 37 years. It was a, uh, it was uh, it was nice to have that. You know, the median age in downtown East Lansing that night probably went up 15 years, <laughs> At and least. to see all 40 year olds in Ricks having a great time and and that was was really special and and so we lost an opportunity uh this is probably four or five years ago at getting taylor swift and kenny chesney at spartan stadium because that's part that of would their have been deal crazy <laughs> that's part of their deal is they need to get so a, this they, is my take what what you might lose on a couple of football saturdays right. if anything do you think if youtube and, and light concerts are now available uh, and accessible three to five times a year said one every five years is that an upside for you did you catch that? Did he really say YouTube? YouTube. If YouTube, YouTube comes. No, you said YouTube. If <laughs> YouTube comes. Um, then pencil my kids in. They'll be there. There you go. Uh, Blue's Clues, I'm thinking, is a huge draw for people drinking. Well, the parents are drinking beer. Um, you clearly have an older kid now when yeah, you're right. with, with a Blue's Clues <laughs> reference. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, they, you know, it's always going to be some give and take, but yeah, it's uh, um, if if the universities feel that that's uh, important to them to to enhance their guest experience, then you know, then then we'll uh, we'll kind of see how it goes. Obviously, uh, you know, a number of years ago there was the um, when um, the 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 entertainment district, uh, I think whatever they call it for like LCA and stuff downtown Detroit, they were trying to get the NCAA tournament. <clears throat> so they wanted us to all go to 4 a.m. sales. Right. And we fought it vigorously um, and, and offered it uh, an opportunity for them to get three two-week temporary permits that could be served consecutively if you wanted them to so that they could do that, but that the rest of us didn't have to do it. Um, and so, you know, we're always, we're, we're always in the game with the MRLA and, and uh, trying, to, trying to help, you, help the legislature um, make good decisions based on the data and, and kind of how it affects everybody. The worst, uh, you know, the unintended consequences piece of it is always kind of creeping creeping up which i'm sure you'll hit here shortly with adopt and amend oh perfect segue all right so emily wants an update on adopt and amend for those who didn't hear my rant my quite angry rant a court of claims judge in late july made a ruling that what the legislature did back in 2018 related to two ballot proposals by adopting them therefore taking them off the the ballot in 2018 but then shortly thereafter amending them in ways that were less toxic to uh, any business operator in the state was deemed unconstitutional by this judge and so huge impacts to this industry because those ballot proposals impacted the minimum wage uh, would be twelve dollars an hour right now under under that rule, and more alarmingly, I think for restaurants, especially full service restaurants, is the elimination of the tip credit. Right, forty three states operating with a lower minimum wage for their tipped employees. It's literally the 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 fundamental basis of restaurant math and how restaurants find a way to make it. Servers make great money. Uh, costs stay down and restaurants, frankly, stay in business. Uh, and right now we talked about being the worst possible time for any changes to that happening, but also paid sick leave, 72 hours of 
of mandatory paid sick leave for any employee working uh, a requisite amount of hours and some administrative challenges. Dewey's favorite, the three-day no-call no-show, which I'm sure would play so well in a university town of you cannot impact uh, someone's employment or even uh, punish them or have anything to say about them not showing up for three days. Yeah, it's, it's not even punish. You can't whiff at being even irritated by it that the way it's written so i Reprimand. think it's important i think you can't know you can it's it's a, it's a whiff that you're even disappointed they did it so what does um, that mean you just like when they show up then they're back and yeah. and i gotta tell you they so, retroactively so a, consider so sick and so they don't actually have to have a doctor's note there's Wild. they don't they don't have to say a word they don't have to tell you they were sick. They don't have to tell you that they went hiking. I mean, we've dealt with this quite a bit, and, and I want to check on this for a couple things. Uh, but, you know, we've dealt with this a, a number of times over the last six months. Uh, New Year's Eve, I think we had 13 people show up, not just no call, no show, or called and said, hey, just so you know, got a chance to go skiing. Yep. Ten years ago, I'd have fired you. Five years ago, uh, I'd, I'd have said you'll never, or ten years ago, I said you'll never work in this town again. Five years ago, I'd have said, where do you want your last check? I know it sounds but or not very nice excuse me Mm -hmm. bleep but now i'm like okay have fun skiing let us know when you get back and and so um i'm sure there are those that think that's the way it should be but it's nearly impossible to run a business um, without accountability on both sides there should be accountability on both sides sides, right question but let's i don't think that that's that dramatic of a that's right but let's back up for a second adopt and amend and obviously i was in the room for quite a bit of that what's important to note is is that not the legislative rooms for those listening you were not actually in the room with let's say you know the governor. No, and, no, I wasn't. Okay, but just want to it, set that record straight. Fair enough. But the that that during the amend, all of the big tenants of that ballot initiative were addressed. You know, paid sick leave was addressed. Increase the minimum wage was addressed. Increase in the tipped employee wage was addressed. Yeah, it wasn't. The word like gutted is what often gets a, a, attributed to what the legislature did, but moderated made tenable. Question. And so it was. It wasn't that when the legislature made those decisions to do what they did. It's not like they just totally ignored what the ballot said and what it was looking for. It made it more reasonable to both parties. Everybody got something. It's the old, you know, no, if nobody's happy, then it's, you know, everybody's happy. And so, so I think that's important to start with. This judge felt that obviously that because it was adopted and amended in the same session, that that's maybe where the rubber meets the road here. But, but the three day, no call, no show the 72 hours, um, you know, if you're a single unit operator owning Darb's bar or crystal bar out in Howell or in, um, uh, uh your neck of the woods, um, Mason, Holt. Mason Holt area, you know, that how, how are they going to keep track of exactly because the incremental amount that you could take your time is, Hey, um, you're in the middle of your shift as it's written, you're in the middle of your shift and you're like, Hey, I need to leave for 15 minutes. I'm going to go grab coffee. And and, an and the manager nightmare. just says okay, and what like they're gonna run back to their computer in the middle of a rush and say, well, right. actually, you're eligible for 15 minutes right now or something like that. So, so again, it's those unintended consequences of um, of of how it goes, and and so I think a lot of work was done in 2018 to make sure that that a the 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 main tenants of the of the ballot you know was was addressed as they were in my opinion and then now you know uh it's it's uh and again that was pre-covid 
So now we're in a different world as it is, and to have this stuff jump up, I think you'd see. Well, it's, I think you'd see a major transformation. If yeah. Everybody already says, well, if you just raised your prices, and the theory was, if I could raise my prices, why wouldn't I have already? Um, not to mention that the servers were there in 2018. I mean, we already talked about this, but that's, right. that's what they wanted to. And anytime you explain what's currently happening to a server, I did just last night with a friend who made $60 an hour when she jumped behind the bar for a couple hours on Saturday. They're, I mean. So not sub-minimum wage is what you're saying? Correct. Because no, sub-minimum wage sub isn't a thing. Wage. So all of this, by the way, is is us of industry talking and, and um, I think illustrating why we think what was done in 2018 makes sense. But just to back up for summary's sake, that was deemed unconstitutional, the method by which the legislature took action. And this is, we are just the externality of all this. We are the fallout for what the larger constitutional argument at play here is, 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 is it legal for a ballot proposal, an initiated law to be adopted, taken off the ballot, and then amended in the same legislative cycle? Court of Claims says, no, that's unconstitutional. We have a February 19th implement, implementation date of that ruling. If the Court of Appeals does not overturn that, which is where the case is right now, uh, so we expect there to be some oral arguments on this issue later in the fall uh, and a ruling early before the February 19th implementation date uh, from the Court of Appeals and a lot hanging on, on the balance. We, are, we as an industry or we as an association are in the field to understand the impact to the industry and we're going to be in the field through through the following Tuesday, I believe. But the early returns I was able to look at are ugly. I mean, they're bad. Uh, you know, if you lose overnight the tip credit, people's response in this industry based on where they are right now is catastrophic. Uh, the job loss would be catastrophic. Closures are, I think, going to be far worse than you think that they're going to be because you think of 2020 as as you know, that was the really one bad time. This would be terrible for this a lot of people. Worse. Yeah. So you hit, me, hit me up for you. If, if, if all of a sudden you, you go from 375 to the full next year, you're literally looking at something uh, 90% of around $13 an hour is, is where you're looking at. What does that mean to your bottom line based on the amount of servers you have? And what do you do, do you, with, with your locations? We are going through all of that right now. Obviously, this is fairly new news. Um, you know, this this was this this uh, this request to the court of claims was done in May of 2021, kind of under the radar. It came up on us pretty hard, you know, a month or so ago. And uh, I think you know, it, it's 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 nearly impossible to guess. You know, it's you know the the quick response from the people that want to see this happen that that uh, don't even live in our state who are pushing this are like well you'll just have to figure it out people are still going to tip you're going to have to do this blah 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 it'll be fine these people just assume that all of us out there are making millions of dollars a year and everything they don't understand simple economics and why it's there. tip credits there for a variety of reasons one of which is to make sure that our servers are incentivized to give the best service as a as an owner or a manager we can't be at every table and so our servers are telling us and have consistently the whole time that they would be less apt to want to work in our industry. You know, we talked a little bit about a little bit ago about how some guests treat our staff, and uh, and we don't want that to happen to any of them. But uh, it makes it a little easier when you're making sixty dollars an hour than if you're making thirteen dollars an hour. And uh, so, you know, the first question, the, the automatic answer that most people go to is, "We'll get rid of gratuities. We'll raise our prices twenty percent, so the guest is not affected." And so they'll walk out the door with virtually the same bill 
Um, but our staff will go from making, you know, our staff averages $25 an hour as a company. Um, but I mean, you know, if you're working at one of our bars, our college bars, and you can come in and work three hours and, and, uh, and make $200, um, you know, not a bad gig. And, uh, um, they work really hard. And again, the, the, the trick becomes like anything else, it's a sales position. So if server a spends an awful lot of time learning their craft and finding out the difference between an IPA and a Pilsner and finding out the difference between a classic, you know, uh, uh, this cut of beef or this cut of beef or, or um, whatever it is or can whip off our 20 beers on tap or can whip off all of our salad dressings that much easier, whatever those things are and really spend some time honing their craft, they're gonna, they have the unique ability to make as much money as they want mm -hmm. uh, versus the person that just kind of comes in and, and hopefully still make sure that the guest gets everything they want in a timely fashion with a smile on their face but um my experience is the people that really you know buy in and 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 uh and uh really like i say hone their craft tend to make quite a bit more money so this kind of fallacy out there that uh that uh tipped employees are somehow not making any money i'm i'm uh fairly sick and tired of seeing comments of you know you should pay people a living wage and everything and and the fact is we had servers from all over the state come and and ask the legislature to not um you know to not affect the tipped employee wage when yeah. when they did this so well we'll keep doing our part to educate both legislators and i think the public abroad because i think this issue especially if it does not end well for us in court is going to need a legislative solution rather quickly yeah. in, in 2023 so and just to recap the timeline, February 19th, the stay was implemented until for until that date, and there will be hearings in November. The Court of Appeals is likely, they, they have the prerogative here, to, but is likely to take the case up in November. Uh, that would be a three-judge panel, of which we do not know who the three judges are. Can't really pontificate any more on that, but that is what comes next. And an appeals process to the Michigan Supreme Court is possible thereafter but not guaranteed depending on how the issue comes down but there's a but the, but there's a likelihood that they will the court of appeals will make a ruling well in advance of february 19th the 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 hope being that they wouldn't rule after february 19th when we all have to go in and implement all of these programs and then they come back and put another stay in place so that's certainly the hope is that they do that. And then whether or not it's inevitable that either party um, would would appeal to the state Supreme Court, you know, then, then that'll be the next step. Because it's changing the existing law, a right to appeal is would immediately happen to the Michigan Supreme Court if we'll, we'll call it our side loses. However, if 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 this is if the Court of Appeals rules constitutional, what the legislature did in 2018 the Supreme Court does not have to take up an appeal, but probably would. Right. Um, so we will we will stay tuned. November and January are big months ahead on the ad issue. Yeah, for a variety of reasons. There's a there's a well, there's an election coming, coming up on the uh, on the first Tuesday in November. That uh, before we get to that though, Emily, your favorite governor in the United States, Gavin Newsom, out of California. I don't know why, but she's a big fan. Uh, don't just put that out there. People don't know that necessarily that you're joking. <laughs> signed the FAST Act on Labor Day. <laughs> it's getting real windy in here. Uh, signed the FAST Act uh, on Labor Day. Uh, what is the FAST Act and why should people of this industry be concerned? 
Oh, I have to answer this. Yeah. Okay. Um, I set you up. It, it from what from my understanding, Justin's probably more of an expert than I am. Uh, but it creates a council of ten people, members uh, appointed by state officials. They are not elected, and that includes fast food workers, union reps, um, some government reps, and in theory, some employers as well for the quick service uh, segment in California. That then is able to essentially do whatever they want. They can set wages. They can set different workplace standards, and it gives them free reign without going through a legislative process. That's pretty solid. So it is. This is essentially how a lot of labor politics happen happens in Europe, not here, but in Europe. These wage councils, labor councils, uh, exist and exist by by industry for a lot of different industries. In California, this is sort of the first foray. It is not even. It's not just the restaurant industry, which would seem punitive in and of itself. You're segmenting one industry versus others. It is a segment of the restaurant industry. Just fast food, your McDonald's, your Wendy's. You have to have at least a hundred locations to qualify. Uh, but if you unless do, you sell bread by the loaf. Then you're not, then you don't qualify. Panera exempted. Panera exempted. Uh, so, so good for Panera. That's solid lobbying uh, right there. But, but for the others, wages set by this board and this board appointed by the governor and it, you know, depending on the state you have, this is, this might seem objective. It is far from objective. This is essentially granting the SEIU, uh, a major uh, organized labor institution in the United States, the ability to dictate the terms for an industry through this board. And in California next year, fast food places are going to see $22 an hour wages and then increasing by the rate of inflation from there and uh, the ability to control some of the fringe benefits uh, and, and some of the scheduling that happens in that industry as well. It's it's the loss of control for the employer over how this process goes forward and how this industry is going to uh, react in California will be interesting because this is on its way to several other states, possibly Michigan, uh, in 2023. So something that we are watching closely. I think the very first podcast we did, we talked about this breaking in Detroit. Yeah. And while that is still set dormant, it's more it's it's more a th- in theory than it is in practice in the city of Detroit. This is made possible uh, the the uh, evolution and enactment in in cities and. And states across the country. So it's interesting. Do you think that they stuck with that segment of fast food just to get it done quicker in California? Like, will it expand to other segments? Like, why do you think they targeted fast food in that way and not the industry as a whole? I think fast food's an an easier target. And the idea that, that some labor organizations have tried to organize but have been challenged to do so this gets into a whole lot of other labor organizing and joint employer specific uh, discussions that we don't need to have today. This is a way to sort of dictate what they've been trying to get across without, without having to necessarily organize on the front end of the industry. So there's, there's a lot of employees and, and uh, a, a lot, a lot of people working in that segment of the industry. And it's an easier target because I think fast food has an image already of, of its employee base and how it gets treated. And so I think that's going to be a challenge for those for those employers. And I think you, you we started this podcast off talking about technology taking a bigger role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're going to start seeing some McDonald's operating with three people. 
right. uh, and, and, and machines, robots doing automation, uh, doing the rest. Yeah. And you see the burger flipping machines out there right now and everything else. And, you know, I was in Napa Valley uh, probably 10 years ago. And as I'm driving out of San Francisco, there was a Burger King and it said, Whopper value meal, 1899. That is a value. Yeah, out there. Um, But Marin County, obviously, um, you know, it's it's just a different world. And to think that 10 people, non-elected people, have the ability to set regulation as to how people will be paid and how people will be treated is just astonishing to me. And, uh, and I think, again, I think you'd see a huge contraction of, uh, of full-service restaurants and, and anything else where, where that became the deal. I mean, it's not to say that in every industry you don't have some bad actors. And as we've always said, that you should go after the bad actors and, and um, people that are really bad actors, you know, and, and, and take care of them and, and, and uh, make sure that staff and, uh, you know, are being treated appropriately and all those things. But... Uh, um, by and large, man, our industry is uh, full of an awful lot of really cool people. And, and like I say, to think that 10 people who just have no accountability whatsoever have the ability to make those kind of decisions seems uh, seems quite frankly asinine. Yeah, wages have surged in this industry 20% in about the last 18 months, right? right. That, that is not because a, a board decided that that's what they right. were going to do, though laws of supply and demand rocketed wages the market up. did it which yeah. was what we've always said and and so uh like i say price increases are coming along with it but then how are people going to choose how to spend their discretionary income and so you know we we feel strongly that obviously we've always had places for people to meet and celebrate and and uh enjoy people's actual company instead of being on their phones and and all that stuff. So we hope that that's still important to people as these things as these things come and, and the inevitable increase in prices that are going to have to come with it. Well, the next two years will be interesting. Will this be, will California be the one-off or as some of the coasts, especially California, have set the stage for other blue states and eventually purple states and sometimes even red states to see some of these policy changes? And it'll be interesting to see if this is, if this grabs hold of in, in other states and, and is, is becomes the new norm of labor relations because I think it's a big deal. Yeah. I, the only thing I would say is that people are leaving, you know, from everything I can see, people are leaving California in mass. And, you know, they've taken over Colorado. We have a bar in Colorado and, and the California influence in Colorado over the last 10 years is, uh, is palatable. And uh, now it's Idaho and it's Texas and it's Arizona. And, and, uh, you know, we have colleagues all over the West coast that, uh, that just, you know, are, are leaving California in mass and, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, Unfortunately, for uh, for what most feel is uh, most of the most of the natives to those states feel is not necessarily a um, you know a, a great influence. I know when we opened the Giggling Grizzly in Denver in uh, in early two thousands or nineteen ninety eight, Denver was a whole different deal. It's just what you would expect Denver to be an awful lot of wrangler, wranglers and cowboy boots and and but a lot of you know hikers and uh, man, it's all. Uh, uh, skinny suits and uh you know briefcases and stuff like that now yeah no last time i was in denver the airbnb driver told me that they were gaining ten thousand people a month uh, into the denver region and so colorado was just surging and it still is just to some degree as well meanwhile michigan remains flat for three to four decades in a row all right let's get into that now we're we're gonna segue now dewey's already been here for 30 minutes we might 
decide to maybe formally introduce you now and give you uh, a proper introduction. So I'm going to kick it to Emily because we're going to go to the interview segment. I'm happy that you've been here for all of it. It's been fun. Emily, why don't you give a proper introduction to our friend, one Tom Dewey Bramson? Will do. All right, Tom Dewey Bramson is president and owner of Equity Vest Inc., a property and hospitality management company that is based in East Lansing. Those establishments include staples such as Beggar's Banquet, Harrison Roadhouse, uh, Nuthouse Sports Grill, The Point Bar and Grill, The Pub, Rex American Cafe, and The Riv. Okay. (laughs) Some of those are accurate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll just say this was sent ahead of time. We can do Joe, we can do some creative editing. Thank you. That's just fine. As a Birmingham, Michigan native, Bramson began to leave his mark on East Lansing hospitality scene while working as a bouncer at America's Cup and Bazaar. No longer in business. He would continue Unrelated. <laughs> he would continue to learn the tricks of the trade at Rick's East Lansing, Harrison Roadhouse, and the Nuthouse Sports Grill. In 1998, he helped establish East Lansing's Responsible Hospitality Council, which brought together area restaurateurs, the EL Police Department, and members of the MSU community to promote and support on-site management and responsible alcohol service. Eventually, Bramson joined Equity Vest as Chief Operating Officer and later assumed the role of President. I'm terrified the whole time I'm reading this now that something's going to be wrong. (laughs) You're doing just fine. Equity Vest has been a member of the MRLA or then the MRA for 22 years. I'm with Bramson serving on the board of directors since 2002, which we have a picture from that year to uh, memorialize that. We'll post it in the show notes. It's worthwhile. Good news. And uh, on the MRL fund board of trustees since 2015, he was also awarded uh, MRLA's highest honor of the Distinguished Service Award earlier this year in 2022 for his dedication and impact on Michigan's hospitality industry. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Emily. You did a great job. Uh, yeah, there's uh, just, you know, we, um, not, that, not that it needs to be corrected because, uh, you know, the seven people won't really care, but, um, but yeah, we did sell the Point Bar and Grill back in January last mm. year. And, I've been uh, there. Although a member, I did not start the ELRHG. Been on a, in an executive position since then, but pretty close. We've been trying to save our relationship with Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky ever since. It's yeah, right. Right. smack dab in his district. I know. Dewey. Won't even talk to me anymore. Uh, first question: How did you get the name Dewey? It's not your birth name. <laughs> oh, yet everyone gracious. calls you Dewey. Yeah, uh, pretty silly story. Uh, I helped start a fraternity, the Pike House at Michigan State, and one of our first deals was to buy a fire engine, as that's the mascot of the Pike House. And uh, one of the three guys I hung out with all the time, his mother lived in town, and we had to park this big fire truck at uh, at her house. And one day she said, "You guys hang out like Huey, Louie, and Dewey, and mine stuck." Wow. Yeah. So Huey, Louie, they didn't stick. No. Just you. Yeah. Where Just are they me. now? No idea. <laughs> uh, one of them, actually, one of them's a chef uh, in uh, in Chicago, and I don't know what happened to the other one. I was really hoping you were going to tell me it was Huey Lewis. Yep. But nope. No. Or the Dewey Decimal System or <laughs> Thomas Dewey or any of those things that I get every once in a while. 
So was uh, being a bouncer your first hospitality industry job, or how'd you... Uh, second, really. My dad owned a restaurant called Archibald's in Birmingham, 555 building. Um, he was uh, one of those guys that um, had uh, had some success in the auto industry and thought it'd be fun to get in the restaurant business. And so uh, I did dishes there and started as a valet parker there for you know the two years he owned it. And uh, then when that shut down, uh, uh, I worked in a factory and did a couple other things until I came to Michigan State and the intent was to come here and play lacrosse and uh, I got uh, I got the job um, it was a football Saturday and it was Michigan Michigan State and back then they used to wear whistles so when a fight broke out you blew a whistle mm. and everybody came running and we at one point counted 26 whistles and there was some of us that were athletes and the general manager who we'd gotten to know came over and we said dude do you need any help and he goes you guys start Tuesday <laughs> and that uh, that started this journey, uh, you know, back in 1986. Wow. We talk often about how our industry is not just an entry level job or, a, you know, a starter job serving and how there's a path to your career and a lot of success, which obviously you have. Can you walk us through a condensed version from being a, a lacrosse player and blowing well, a whistle I to was born president and owner in now? Condensed. <laughs> Oh, condensed. Start the timer. Um, you know, it's it's as you say. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate, as you as you pointed out, to have sat on the board of the Matmar LA for for a, a couple of decades now, and and uh, an awful lot of the people that have served with me uh, throughout those years have very similar stories. They started as uh, servers, bartenders, dishwashers, line cooks. In my case, it was bouncers, which we now call floormen. Mm. And uh, so I started as a floorman. I loved it. I loved the energy. I quit school. Um, I knew this is what I was going to do. Um, I wasn't a great student. Um, ask any of the professors that taught Math 108 that I took. Were and, there several? Uh, there, was, there were three of them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 8 a.m. in the summer was never a good idea anyway. But um, And then became a bartender, became a manager. I was the assistant general manager of the place within probably 15 months of starting as a bouncer. And then I uh, got an opportunity to come to the company that I currently work for and own in 1990. Um, went over to help uh, run the Harrison Roadhouse. And then when I left there, went down to Rick's and ran Rick's in the early 90s for uh, four or five years. Um, and then we opened the Nut House in 1996. Um, ran that for a little while. My boss uh, was very gracious in naming me vice president of operations and then president of the company. And then uh, over time was able to acquire some some stock and some ownership in, in all the properties that we oversee. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's been a it's been a real blessing. It's something special to know that this entire career, a successful one, was fueled by the Michigan, Michigan State hate that led to physical fights. That's right. Alcohol probably played yeah. a role there. You saved the day and have been working in the uh, industry ever since. I'm not sure I saved the day, but I got to tell you, there's been an awful lot of fights ever since. But. You, sir, are a hero. No, stop. Uh, so, Ricks is legendary by college student standards, right? Yeah. Here in, in, in Ann Arbor as well. Used to have some great live acts. You know, uh, like what's the best? It, well, one? I got to tell you, it's, it speaks to it speaks to our industry and and the constant changing of and and uh, modifying and and looking for new ways to do things. You know, when I started at Ricks in in 1991, we had 30 different musical acts a month. You couldn't play more than once a month for us, and you couldn't play within 15 miles of us. That the music scene was that rich. 
And because at that point we had Rick's Kalamazoo, Rick's East Lansing, and Rick's Ann Arbor, we could pick, book these national acts that were living out of a van. Mm. So you, you'll often you know hear of the Black Crows and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the Kid Rock played every Sunday for I don't know how long. Drove up from Detroit. We had great blues acts. We had great uh, steel drum acts. We had uh, great, you know, Macintar Murphy um, and his band Duke Tomato and the All Stars and and um, we, we it was just it was really cool. And then uh, you know Vertical Horizon who went on to some fame. Obviously, um, a, a lot of just a lot of just great acts. A lot of local talent. Did you say Counting Crows was yeah, in there playing Counting for a group Crows. of like twenty people? Yeah, um, that week, it was Thanksgiving week, and I want to say it was 1995-ish, and you guys are a little young to know, but we had Candlebox on Sunday night before Thanksgiving, and then we had Matthew Sweet on Tuesday, and then we had Verve Pipe the night before Thanksgiving, and then we had Counting Crows on Friday, and then we had, oh, another big band on Saturday. That At that point, was not a big band. Counting That's a killer Crows, week. Counting yeah. Crows played for us. I think I paid them $350 on that Friday after Thanksgiving, and the following January, they were on the cover of Rolling Stone as the best up-and-coming band in the nation. You told Adam Duritz to wash his hair. Um, I did not. I, I had a lot of fun with Adam Duritz. I had a lot of fun with a lot of those bands. They were uh, generally very fun people to hang out with. Oh, that's very cool. That is very cool. Yep. But then at some point, you know, and I'll tell you, I can almost tell you to the night, I was in Ann Arbor. I was working at Rick's Ann Arbor in 96-ish. And um, Vertical Horizon, who I just loved, um, big acoustic kind of band vibe. They've had a couple of big hits and stuff. And and uh, I'm I got 500 people in the club, and I'm just sitting there, literally on the dance floor, watching these guys, and just in awe. Their harmonies, their guitar playing. I, you know, picked up a guitar once in a while, and and I'm having this ball, and I'm just looking around the room, and nobody nobody could have cared less. And as soon as this is right when we started putting a DJ on between sets and all of a sudden DJ came on, dance floor filled up, place went nuts. And it's like, okay, um, that was kind of the beginning of the end for, for the live music scene, uh, you know, in the state. And, um, you know, we see, we see some of it coming around and stuff, but it just doesn't get supported like it used to. Yeah. And so with streaming or whatever else it is, it's just, uh, um, you know, you don't have to go to the local bar to see the show because you're streaming it from somebody else that's doing the same thing in California right now or, well, not California, somewhere else cool. Yeah. <laughs> well said. All right, let's, let's segue to, you know, ostensibly the, the, the professional reason by which you're here. I, I think the story's have all been great in the input, um, from the industry as we talk about some of these issues, but you were about to ascend to be chair of the MRL fund, a workers' compensation fund, a self-insured group fund for our industry, for restaurants and hotels That's yeah. that the association has been partnered with for 30 years. Yeah. I only had one chair. That's right. You're about to be number two. For, I don't, for those I'm not listening sure I like in. That, that, well, not number two, but whatever. <laughs> number one in our hearts. Thank you. <laughs> uh, for those listening in, what, what is the MRL fund and, and, and why do you care? So the MRL fund is, as you said, the self-insured workers' comp fund for our industry in our state. And, and uh, in my opinion, um, you know, I think over, over all of my years in my association to MRLA, government affairs is kind of the 
you know, the thing that everybody looks to is, is a member as to what, what effect we can have and, and what input aside from the value added services. I know that uh, staff is constantly inundated from members about how do I handle this? What do I do about this? How do I get food? You know, you know, how do I get my uh, surf safe training in and those things? I mean, there's a lot of things, but a lot of people really focus on the government affairs piece. And, but uh, I got to tell you right up there with it is, is, uh, is the MR fund and the savings that we can create not only the savings but the education you know we talked earlier about you know food safe handling uh you know this being food safe handling month i know i'm butchering that but national food safety month thank you but it's you know workplace safety and we all celebrate differently emily so you know that the the cost savings that you have and in, in educating our our agents and making sure that we're out talking to people but it's such a huge deal i mean um the savings you know my my uh, my my workers comp uh, um bills are less than half than they've than they ever were in the open in the other markets and and again i think our work safety product and our in our uh, uh, the opportunity Opportunities to get audits in your workplace should you choose to help create a more safe environment for our staff. You know, when we talked earlier about, you know, mental health and those things, um, you know, what I think we've seen through the, through the fund specifically is a, a real downturn in workplace accidents. And I think that's education and we're providing that education. And it's it could be as easy as we have little flip tablets that, you know, that kind of have tabs on them that say, okay, if this, then this. And it could be a cut finger. It could be a slip and fall. It could be how to use a ladder properly. It keeps know. claims down. It does, and that's what I'm saying. And therefore, keeping your work your workers safe and and uh, and keeping them, uh, you know, nobody wants to sit at home on their couch and and, and then not returns be money to operators without question. It's a, it's a huge saving. So incredibly honored, uh, Kevin Downey, who's a former chair of the MRLA, and uh, Tim Hanna, uh, and a really smart group of people started this 30 years ago. And um, so very humbled and uh, grateful for Kevin's confidence in me to to contribute to this. And, and there's a lot of smart guys in that room, and we're continuing to add smart guys to that room. And and uh, these guys have engaged some incredibly smart people from different uh, financial, different places in the financial world to help guide us on some of that stuff. And then our administrators that help us with claims and, and make sure that we're doing everything we can to, to help those that need it. Pretty special. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think the fact that it has industry specific an industry-specific board overseeing the operations really gives you a sense of it knows when when claims are legitimate and when they're clearly not and and how the the fund should act on behalf of its members and and i think by doing so and it's been really prudent it keeps claims down which brings more savings back to people which is it's it's great you know if you're if you're in a couple of years you usually find you're getting 50 to 60 maybe even more percent of your premium back to you that's right that's rare. It's, an, it's a, a great opportunity. We're, we're fortunate to have such a well-run organization. Very fortunate to have you taking taking the helm, uh, someone who's been in the industry and sees it firsthand every day. So it's great. We're excited. It. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Emily, do we have a lightning round? We sure do. We can't miss oh, it. goodness gracious. The people have spoken. They love the lightning round. It's a do quick they? one. It's lightning fast. Oh, my. <clears throat> Are you right. ready? Hold Question on. number one. Let Go. me stretch. All right. What's your go-to place to visit in Michigan? Uh, Northern Michigan, Harbor Springs, Petoskey, Mackin Island. Some Hillman sometimes. To get a Hillman call. if I get a chance. You're welcome anytime. Thanks for having <laughs> What's the last show that you streamed? Uh, the Bear on Hulu. Mm. Ooh, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, Ooh, really yeah. Good. 
Yeah, really. Did you like it? I loved it. I'm I'm anxious for season two. Yeah, it's really. There good. are a few things that my wife and I watched together and and hold off watching until we both can be together. That yeah. one was uh, solid for the industry. Intense. It is, uh, you know, uh, when uh, Anthony Bourdain came out with K- Kitchen Confidential, it was it was as close as it got to. I mean, physically. I don't want to say empathy, but you know where where I felt the book. It's kind of I know it sounds dramatic, but I felt myself in the space of him in a kitchen getting screamed at by guys on the line because he's not washing pans and you know like I got screamed at and and all that stuff. I mean it was really it was uh and and to sit there and watch the bear and and hear the language those guys really did their work and and uh, didn't make fun of it and didn't you know sometimes that gets made fun of and you know I am uh, as you know. Uh, I am not a fan. If he's listening right now, uh, I am not a fan of John Taffer. Um, I am not a fan of Gordon Ramsay. I'm not a fan of these guys that 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 profit off trying to make restaurateurs look bad and bar owners look bad, you know, and and knowing that they go in and and kind of flip the script and make things look worse than they are and and that stuff. These guys really do go in and and are authentic about it and learn the things. And uh, I'm I'm blanking on that young man's name who was uh, Lip. In Shameless. Uh, Shameless. From Shameless, yeah. The kid does a nice job, and they all do a really nice job, and it, and it really does uh, touch on the hearts. You know, the other thing that I'd be remiss if I didn't say is Below Deck. Oh, it's a great show. Because I got to tell you, Below Deck We were is talking my... about that last week, and Justin had never heard of it. Yeah, it's, it's our oh, Edit that out, please. It's, it's the truth, and you need to own it. <laughs> yeah, because I got to tell you, it's our industry on water. Yes, it's beautiful people and beautiful you know boats and beaches and stuff but it's there's front house back house there's guest service there's you know how to how to you know how to how to how to marry all of those things together and make sure that a the guest doesn't see it if there's frustrations in the back of the house and that it's it's uh it's more it's not a real housewives kind of thing it's uh it's really watching how that goes from when a guest boards the boat a the preparation it takes to get them to the boat so there's your beginning of your day and then how you serve them and then if stuff goes sideways that how do you make sure that that the the guest doesn't see it and it's uh and really for me that's uh that's been fun to watch you're gonna stream that tonight aren't you justin no i can't there's cruises and i just i don't don't, doesn't sit well i mean the whole idea of being on a cruise doesn't sit it's not not a a cruise cruise. they're they're uh, luxury (laughs) they said they're on a boat luxury yachts I'm still not watching. No. Being at sea and eating, all of it just doesn't sit well with me. But the bear on Hulu, by the way. Yeah. Will there be a season it. two? Do we yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, okay. there is. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. They have announced. All right. Back to the lightning round. Text or phone call? So there's a, that, that's an ongoing one. I know. Lightning round. If you want a yes or no question, text is fine. But don't, don't text me. And say, so what do you think if we did this? Mm-hmm. I don't want to text that instigates a conversation. If you want to text me and say, hey, will you give me a call a little bit later so we can talk about something or that? But I don't I don't want to have a text conversation. I, my mind's always going a thousand different ways. And then usually what happens is somebody will text me something and say, hey, can we do this? And I'll say, email me because my email is my checklist, not text. I'm Got old. it. Noted. Um, what's the last song you listened to? Uh, I got to tell you, I've been listening to quite a bit of Billy Joel. New York State of Mind, I think, was... Oh, no, uh, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. I think I repeated that a couple times on my drive back. Nice. And Bottle of red. 
Look at this. Go, go on. Go on. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I need my keyboard and background singers, more tea. Live music coming back. Uh-huh. Um, lastly, what jersey are you wearing to Rama? Well, uh, it would probably have to be my Michigan State jersey, although, um, you know, this thing happened uh, very organically. These Just a group of fraternity guys started wearing it, and then it's really just become Can you give some context to the question? Years. You ask it like everyone who's actually If you in. don't know, you don't deserve to yeah, know. Yeah, you, know, you know. So, uh, Rama and Taco Rama, uh, everybody wears jerseys, and my staff years ago was very sweet in getting me my own personal one with my name on it. It's very so, nice. Yeah, I got to throw that one out once in a while. Thursdays, right? Still? Thursdays, Burgerama. Saturdays, Taco-Rama. Swing by the Riv. Or the Giggling Grizzly in Denver, Colorado. If you're in town. There you go. All right, I think that wraps uh, things up for us. What do you say? Dewey, thanks for joining us. This has been special. Much Thank delayed, you. but much worth it. 